Stanford gets a big win against Notre Dame to make the Pac-12 look good. Washington uh, wins the Apple Cup. Always a beautiful thing. Arizona State wins their rivalry game. Oregon wins their rivalry game. And Utah gets to bowl eligibility at the expense of Colorado. UCLA at the expense of Cal. All that. And we got coaching, movement, left and right. Chip Kelly to UCLA. We're going to talk about it all on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. To get it started, last week on Friday night, we had California traveling to UCLA. Both teams were sitting at 5-6 and six and needed the game to get bowl eligible. Jim Mora had been fired. Uh, what? Who, who was coaching UCLA? Jed fish or something like that yeah yeah uh you know cal looking to put a bow on what honestly to that point was already a good season for them where they'd kind of shown promise uh both teams really wanted it good close game ucla 30 to 27 winners i think we we actually got this correct and as much as we picked ucla to win it correct but um but maybe didn't get the spread right i mean i think we both we're both on ucla as an inexplicable winner of this game is that true uh, I think maybe, but as I review the picks, I had incorrectly allocated that to UCLA covering, which they plainly did not. But yeah, <laughs> can impact our performance on this week. That positively impacts my performance this week at the expense of you and Worm. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> All right, this changes everything. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I I honestly thought Cal was going to win the game because. Uh, uh, you know, UCLA lost their coach. I mean, and honestly, if you're watching the game, uh, Rosen again was out early and then, uh, but UCLA still had enough. I mean, it was like the, I mean, is this like a weird thing for Rosen Evans's calling card is it gets to be the second quarter and then you see him in street clothes walking around on the sideline. Well, not anymore because he's never going to, I mean, well, I guess they have a bowl game of some minor intrigue coming up but i was gonna say i mean other than that you're never gonna see him again so yeah he's gonna be in the nfl next year because i had picked cal in this game because i thought ucla with the coaching change they might not even want the ball game but i guess because like chip kelly's not coaching this team until you know spring ball probably right do you think he just uh, goes out sure and recruits yeah, and like sure it, yeah he just sits around uh and then uh what do you think about chip kelly to ucla i love it man yeah what's not to love about that i think That's it's a fantastic yeah. Hire. home run hire for them and uh i happened to be on facebook when they were doing their uh intro press conference so i watched that for you know five or ten minutes or something like that i don't remember chip kelly being such a little charmer <laughs> i was <laughs> i was very impressed with him he's working the room got some good laugh lines going i was a big fan yeah for sure i mean i i think he's i mean he's you don't accidentally get to where he got, you know what I mean, in terms of the pantheon of college coaching and the NFL gigs, if you don't have a little bit of that. Now, granted, I think he's less personable than, than a lot of head coaches are, and that's not necessarily his forte. But, I mean, Chip Kelly's a smart dude. He knows what he's doing, and he knows to get, you know, in, in the college game where he's going back into that, that being able to smile and shake hands is going to be, you know, with, with parents and 
and high school coaches is going to be a, you know, a really important part of that gig. Yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. It was loaded with a bunch of cliches that, like, uh, I don't know what they actually mean, but they sound very wise. He was like, your goal as a coach is to make, to your own players, make the complex seem simple and to your opponents make the simple seem complex. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I think it's exactly right. Well, you're one of his opponents now, so you think it's all confusing. So he's got you right where he wants. Yeah, to. dude, I don't know. Yeah, he absolutely has me, as he has for the entire time he's yeah. been a coach in this conference. I don't know what to totally make consistent. of him. All I know is that we lose. Uh, yeah, so good, good on uh, UCLA. Things looking up there in Pasadena. How about him? Uh, Stanford hosted Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that uh, recently had, you know, been looking at a possible playoff team. They played. Uh, you know, Miami just got crushed, and then it's kind of been Notre Dame holding on. Stanford, on the other hand, lost a few games early, including to San Diego State. They got rolled by USC. Uh, they barely beat Oregon State, and all of a sudden, good win against Washington, good win against Notre Dame. Stanford uh, looking solid, looking real solid going to the Pac-12 title game. That maybe before last week, I'm thinking, eh, USC going to roll. Now I'm thinking, eh, I don't know, Stanford, you know, they've improved. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're nine and three like you said they had a couple losses early but Bryce Loves had a crazy season and uh you and I both thought Notre Dame was going to roll through this game and we were very wrong um and I mean Stanford 21 points in the fourth quarter uh to pull to, to seal this game and it's pretty amazing if you think about it because Stanford really doesn't have a quarterback and they're nine and three imagine how good they'd be if they had a quarterback yeah I mean that's the you know it's been the Stanford deal like you said I mean a really really brings Kevin Hogan up for reevaluation <laughs> by how awful yes. they've been since then and how I thought he was so terrible. Uh, but I guess I was wrong. All right. Uh, next up, Arizona and Arizona state, a little territorial cup action. Uh, Khalil Tate wasn't hurt. Uh, wasn't particularly effective in this game. Uh, Arizona actually were up pretty solid early in this game. They had a 10 point lead going into the half third quarter, Arizona state, Get three touchdowns to turn that around. Uh, outscore Arizona 28-6 to in the second half to win the game going away, 42-30. to Big win for Arizona State in the rivalry game. A season in which they were predicted to struggle, be among the bottom of the Pac-12 South, ends with seven wins in bowl eligibility, and naturally they fire their coach. Yeah, super weird, right? I think, <laughs> I think Arizona State was picked to finish second to last in the South Division. They ended up finishing second behind USC. Um, huge win against Washington. They got the win against Arizona in the Territorial Cup. Uh, I guess Todd Graham rubs lots of people the wrong way down there, and they weren't particularly pleased with him coming into the season. But you'd, you'd have to say by all accounts, 6-3 and three in conference record, that they at, at the very least lived up to this season's expectations and, and very likely exceeded them. And he gets fired for that. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get that a lick. And we, what's interesting about that one going forward is – you're talking about Tennessee's open, Mississippi State's open, Arkansas's open, Florida State might be open, Texas A&M's open. Who on earth is Arizona State going to hire? Oh, absolutely. I mean, no, nobody. Like, I, they're talking to Herm Edwards or some shit. Like, the yeah, that's what. Like, that's what they have to do. They just have to say. Like, I was thinking, like, as I was saying that, like, maybe less miles, you know, because with the idea of it being this is a retirement gig. It's warm, baby. Come down to Arizona. Play a little golf, coach from you know, coach twelve games of football a year or whatever it is. Uh, make make a few million bucks. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they're saying. Uh, Civil War. Here's a game we had wrong. Uh, Oregon State uh, just been killing people on those big lines, getting in through the back door. Oregon having none of it. The Air Bear back in full force. Oregon fans saying, oh, if he had been healthy all year, maybe we're going to the college football playoff. Something ridiculous like that. Uh, but yeah, Oregon. Uh, foot on the gas. Didn't allow Oregon State to get back into this one. Impressive. Uh, and you you put a wrap on the regular season for Oregon. You say extremely successful first year for Willie Taggart. Getting them back to bowl eligibility. And uh, we'll see where they go from here or if he's even coaching that team. Yeah, I mean, because we're recording this at, on you know Wednesday at lunchtime and it is very possible that he won't be the coach you know, tomorrow at lunchtime, depending on what happens at FSU. I mean, what a crazy world we live in in the college football where Texas A&M has an opening at coach, you know, in their coaching position. They want Jimbo Fisher, who's Florida State's coach. So Florida State is betting Willie Taggart, who's currently at Oregon's coach, as a potential replacement for Jimbo Fisher should he decide to take the Texas A&M job and thus forcing Oregon to now start betting prospects to replace Willie Taggart. I mean – you know, neither you or I are particularly fond of Oregon in general, but think about if you're Oregon's AD and you're like, what? You know, it's like, what? what am I, I have to go pay this guy another million dollars now because of something that may or may not happen in Texas, which then will trigger something that may or may not happen in Florida. Yeah. Which means that I, like, in a very real terms, have to go give this guy another million dollars. Like, what? How, how can you, like, sleep with yourself? And it honestly, it behooves them to do that immediately right before yeah, this even right. starts they ought to just it's go with, yeah. say we're uh we're entering into contract renegotiation right now i know we i know it's been less than 12 months since we signed that one lucrative contract we just did i would like to give you more money now because you went seven and five yeah it, it boggles the mind i don't i don't understand it i i can't i mean who knows who knows man but whatever it is what it is um but, yeah, I mean, it's not even like you can blame the Oregon AD for doing it. He's got to do it. He's, he's already done it today, apparently. There's reports that he's put a new contract in front of Taggart. And, again, like if you're really Taggart, you're not even doing anything different than what you're already paid millions of dollars to do, which is just go out and recruit. And they're paying you because Florida State might hire you, and even though Florida State has a coach, but Florida State might not. I mean, I I don't get it, but what a, what a time to be alive. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. Right? You know, we all should have tried to be just college football coaches, you know? Because uh, who's got more leverage? We for sure should have tried to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Colorado and Utah. Uh, another game where both teams were five and six going into the game. We Somebody's got to get to a bowl game. Utah takes care of business on their home field. 34 to 13 winners over Colorado. Colorado, uh, a year removed from being in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, lost a lot of players. It was kind of expected that they'd fall back. Uh, you know, and they were pretty up and down. You know, you, you – uh, probably a disappointing year, but we'll see. Uh, that's that guy's a name that I haven't seen around. Really, is uh, McIntyre. Considering I, I hold him in really high esteem because that Colorado job was nothing before he got there, and this is a bad year for them. All of a sudden, where they, I mean, yeah, they went two and seven in conference, but they were a win away from bowl eligibility, and they were uh, they, you know, they were uh, historically bad when he got there. Yeah, they, they definitely came back down to earth, as I think most most everybody predicted they would. Um, you know, but um, who knows? I mean, I, it's hard to tell with that guy. He seems like he's a great coach, but he also 
I don't know. He kind of rubs me the wrong way with some of his demeanor and all that other stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you're Colorado, you sort of saw this coming. Like he, he really leveraged that senior class last year to get where they, to get where they got, you know? And, and I think, I still think it like in the aggregate was a good, you know, paid off because it showed everybody what's possible. And so now he can continue to, to recruit off of that, you know, even if it cost him this year. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest, at the beginning of the year, they, they made some noise like they might be good, uh, but then they just couldn't sustain it. So uh, disappointing year for them, but all things being equal, I think I think they would take that given the success they had last year. Yeah, I agree with that. And then finally, Apple Cup. Uh, again, Washington State comes into the game. Uh, if they win, they're going to the Pac-12 title game. Uh, but as has been the case between Washington and Washington State, uh, Get in, get in, get in. I'm sorry, but Everton just scored a 60-yard goal. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, Washington <laughs> dominated Washington State 41-14. to uh, And it's the same story that it's been for a while now where you get these good Washington State teams. It seems like every other team they play in the conference, they look like, you know, they're. I mean, this is a team that played tough, Discipline football in the fourth quarter to win against USC, to win against Stanford, right? And then for some reason, when they see purple on the other side of the field, they just get scared. Wayne Rooney was in his own half when he scored that goal. All right. right. (laughs) Uh, And that was for a hat trick. Boy. All right. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, for this game, I just say it's like uh, this. This is actually uh, to bring here. Let me tie in the soccer. This is actually something I've talked about with Apple Cup before is Everton's rival team is Liverpool, right? Two teams from the same town, they hate each other. Everton will have years where they're a good team and they're on par with Liverpool. But when they play each other, Everton thinks they're going to lose. And so they lose, you know? It's like the result everybody expects manifests itself. It's exactly the same with Washington State and Washington. Washington State thinks they're going to lose the game. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you caught on to this, I think, a couple of years ago is the first time you sort of articulated it um, and have subsequently discussed it in... in uh, a variety of, of contexts, but this idea of of uh, teams and programs and scenarios where one side is really comfortable, where both sides are really comfortable with one outcome. And in the Apple Cup, both sides are really comfortable with a Washington win. UW players expect to win it. WSU players expect to lose it. And, you know, it doesn't always happen, but that result oftentimes seems like it's almost preordained. Um and if you watch the game on Saturday, you would say that was the case again, because uh, coming out of the gates, Washington didn't really do anything spectacular other than play some smash mouth football, which everybody in Husky Stadium who had purple on loved, um, and just ran the ball right at WSU's small defensive front, which I have been questioning like on this podcast all year why teams don't do that, um, and and how, for instance, like a Stanford could be held to you know, Bryce Love to be held to 64 yards rushing when you, you should be able to just line up and push 230 and 240 pound defensive linemen off the ball. Um, and, and then on defense, Washington just brought three, got home with three, brought four, got home with four, dropped eight, dropped seven. And there was no place for Luke Falk to go with the ball. So as is his tendency uh, in his career in Apple cup, he gets frustrated, starts lofting the ball downfield and Washington defenders, uh, We'll take that, and they will go the other way with it. And, yeah, I mean, it was – I tweeted earlier in the week. I rewatched it, and it's it's basically football porn if you're a Husky fan. It's smash-mouth running game through gigantic 
uh, rushing lanes. And on defense, it's just pin your ears back with three or four guys, get home, and create turnovers. Yeah, I mean, Vita Veo is so impressive. It was uh, the best performance by the Washington defensive line since the Stanford game last year, where the same strategy was largely employed, where it's like, we're not going to blitz, but our line's so good, we're going to get home anyway. And just so, uh, you know, watching those, the overhead shots of those replays that were just focusing on the pass rush, uh, where it's just Vita Vea and they got two guys because they know they can't block them. And, but even with the two guys they commit to him, they can't block him anyway. Even with three guys sometimes. I mean, he was ragdolling anybody they put in front of him. It was awesome to watch. And it just, I mean, it just, again, you, you wonder where was that earlier in the season on certain, in certain games? You know, how, what brought it out of him in that game? Who knows? But life is really uh, a lot easier for a defensive coordinator when your defensive tackle can ragdoll a double team uh to that end i've actually gone back because we're, we're in while vita vea has some eligibility left he is also uh i think bruce feldman was tweeting today that uh you know potential top five pick right now that like he's talked to gms and that's what they think of him uh i'm assuming he's gone washington has uh from what i can tell going back on like scout and checking the recruiting classes from the last few years not a ton of defensive tackles. So, like, really uh, need Greg Gaines to stick around. Yes, I think that's right. Um, <laughs> Who is also draft that. eligible. Who is also uh, going to play on Sundays at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and who is uh, married, by the way. So, like. Yeah, he needs to earn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a wife saying here, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're. Uh, Imagine telling your wife would be like, well, on the one hand, if we go route A, we can uh, continue to live in this apartment or whatever, or we could have millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where she comes down on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, so UW has, does have some defensive tackles and then they're definitely recruiting like four. Yeah. Um, I think, right yeah, now. I think there's probably a realization at some point. Yeah, no, they've got that uh, Levi on on Zurique. I'll learn. I'll learn how to say that. He played in the Apple Cup and made some plays. Yeah, he had, he had a nice tackle, a uh, nice uh, sack. Uh, so they have him. They they have uh, McCoy. They have Scrampos. They have um, some other names that you will not be super familiar with. Yeah, because but, uh, even those names you're saying, I'm thinking, is he making these up and daring me to call him on it? Scrampos. Call me on it. Yeah, go for it. Okay. No, I don't um, know. I, I take your word for it, but I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so... That's a, that's you know the fruits of a lifetime of a trustworthy relationship. As I believe, when you say we got a guy named Scrampos, and goddamn it, we got a guy named Scrampos. And if we didn't before, we do now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I, you know. I think with with Kwiatkowski, I'm of the opinion that our defense is always going to be good because that guy is just so good at putting players in the right position. So I don't want to say it doesn't matter necessarily yeah. um, who our defensive tackles are next year because it certainly does to some extent. Um, but I'm not. I don't know. I'm not super worried about it because that guy is that Kwiatkowski is such a stud. Um, and Washington, it does seem like, is making a huge push for D tackles in this recruiting class, as if they've uh, maybe noticed that they need that to happen as well. Yeah, and then another, uh, this is something we talk about on the podcast all the time. Uh, why on earth is Pete Kwiatkowski not in line for every job? 
not on anybody's list so far. So obviously we got a long hiring season to go through, but not even on the targets list for anybody that I've seen yet. And I, I again, can't for the life of me understand it. All we do is lose NFL players and then come back better. I don't think he's interested, dude. Like that's the only thing I can think of is that he's not interested, and he's made that clear. Because because if he if he was interested, um, in any way, shape, or form, interested, uh, he would be, a like a very, very, very highly sought after, um, candidate. I mean, something we should probably talk about is that Washington just lost its offensive coordinator today, too. Yeah. Um, because the because Kwiatkowski's counterpart, uh, Jonathan Smith, apparently just took the Oregon State job. Uh, and he and Smith is, is nowhere near the coordinator that Kwiatkowski was, which, again, just cements in my mind that Kwiatkowski just doesn't want to take that next step and, and is really comfortable in his life and likes coaching the defense um, and, and you know, has made it clear that's where he wants to stay. Yeah, good gig, dude, you know, because you could probably get a million dollars a year, not a ton of pressure, rarely has to talk to the press, does a little recruiting, goes coaches his guys. Uh, gets to walk around town, you know, and nobody probably knows who he is. You know, like if I if I saw him, maybe I'd pick him out, you know. But that's because I've spent some time trying to track down his interviews on YouTube because I'm thinking maybe he talks with like a really high-pitched voice and a lisp, and maybe that's why he doesn't get work. He doesn't. He has a normal voice. But, yeah, like I think most people if, couldn't pick him out of a lineup. If he was wearing all Husky gear, maybe I would be able to pick him out, like walking around the grocery store. Oh, he's wear- got a jaw on him. If that guy's wearing jeans and like, you know, like a band in dunes golf shirt or, you know, a Chambers Bay golf shirt, there's no way that we're going to, that I would know who it was. That's true. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah. And then the other thing about Oregon State is I think, I forget if this had been news uh, the last time we recorded, but there was some thought that they, uh, I think I had seen a report saying that they had all hired Bo Baldwin, you know? Yeah, I saw that. And I we, thought that was a good report. I was like, man, that's a good hire. Yeah, I thought so too. So here's a thought. What are they? Uh, what are they paying Bo Baldwin at Cal? Well, I think we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, because I'll tell you what: if uh, the head coaching deal isn't available to him, well, and if he wants to become a, a head coach of a Power Five school, I think I think we know of a school that has a coordinator position open right now where that's a legitimate possibility, since it happened today. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happened today. And I say good for Jonathan Smith. I think he did a fine job with our offense. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of him and Kwiatkowski, there's no uh, comparison who the better coach is. And, he th- you know, Jonathan Smith gets it because he's an Oregon State guy and they want to bring him back and do that thing, and that's great. But, I mean, I, uh, you know, this news just came out in the last half hour or so from when we're recording this. I wasn't uh, especially broken up over it. I was like, okay, great. What an opportunity to get somebody in there with some new ideas. Offense has been good, but it's not like it couldn't have been better. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think we will we will look back on his um, time at Washington in, in a fonder light than maybe we did sometime. sometimes this season. I think we were frustrated at certain times with the play calling and, you know, the yeah. – going going horizontally instead of vertically and a lot of play calls and then you know again i think you have to you know which we do a bad job of doing but you have to consider the fact that there were a ton of injuries on the offense this year and there was probably a lot of limiting factors which which led to some of the play calls but um i mean smith is uh 38 years old so i know that by the time you and i both uh are 38 or if that's already happened um i don't know if you're older than me or not um 
I plan to be a millionaire head coach of a Power 5 school, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's still in the cards. You know, I mean, who's the guy, uh, Charlie Weiss, you know? He didn't play college football, and he somehow ended up coaching at Notre Dame. No, Mike Leach, man. I mean, Mike Leach even went to law school. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't even got to go outside the outside the state to, like, to get there. That's what you got to do, yeah. Because like he went down there, yeah. His have you ever seen Mike Leach's like career trajectory? At some point, he was down in the Florida Keys and like wanted to coach high school down there, and then somehow he ends up being the coordinator or on staff at Kentucky, and then all of a sudden he gets and then they're like, well, hell, I mean, like he's like that's how you think it ought to go. You'd be like, he just end up going to a bunch of places that nobody wants to go to, whether it's uh, Lubbock or Pullman, you know, or something like that. But like Charlie Weiss, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Well, he, you know, he was the offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick, which was a good idea. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you get there. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, but I don't understand. Yeah, anyway, that's that's fucking unbelievable. Anyway, so last week on the picks, having revised the Cal and UCLA outcome, how about instead of you and Worm going 3-3 three and three and me and 1-5, and five, how about everybody goes 2-4? and four? I knew it. Everybody I goes 2-4. and four. Uh, Nobody does well. I knew that was the case. Um, so, where does that leave us? Uh, Worm in the lead still on the season with the regular season complete at 48 and 42. I'm 46 and 45. You're 44 and 46. So, we still got a bowl season coming up. But really, I mean, you and I are, you know, you got You still got to shoot your shot. You know, you got to, you can't, you can't be picking scared because that's how we got here. We, we got to, but we got to make some moves to ensure above 500 finishes. I agree. So let's start it off. Stanford, uh, the one-legged man, Bryce Love, uh, proven still effective. He's playing against USC. USC are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, a game that has already been played this season in a decisive USC victory. Uh, Stanford, a lot of momentum, though, right now. And what's the line? Three-and-a-half points. Man. I I mean, I'm going to pick SC, but – God, Stanford is making this game a lot more interesting than I thought it would be even maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm going to take SC also. I'm going to say, like, it's, the, you know, uh, I, I just – I what, what I will do, though, is recognize that – and this is the mark of a good coach and a good program is that Stanford – has gotten better as the season has gotten on, as has gone along. As as has USC. I mean, USC had pretty uh, crummy performances there a lot for the first half of the season, where you're kind of waiting for them to come together. Uh, and they but, came together. Yeah, and, they, <laughs> and, then, and then it worked right out. Yeah, they, it worked right out for them. So I mean, they're solid. They ran away with the South when it was all said and done. Stanford toughs it out in the North. You know, they end up what, what on two losses and a tie with a bunch of other people and really were a Ryan Nall fumble away from Washington playing in this game rather than USC. Uh, it's, yeah, so I don't I mean, I'm going to take USC in this game just because the game's already been played and I don't want to overthink it. But uh, all credit to Stanford. I think they've done a great job this year. They're, and they're certainly capable of winning this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I could easily see it happening with them if they can gum up the works on USC's offense. I think they could easily, you know, they've proven on, on their offense they can score points now. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them win it. I, I do think USC will ultimately prevail. And as a Washington fan, uh, our slim hopes at a, at a you know, a New Year's bowl game is uh, our riding on, on USC doing that. So I'm going to hope that happens. 
And let's uh, let's talk about that because I was kind of looking over that. I mean, you you know, there's New Year's six, right? That's what they talk about. So it features 12 teams. Washington sitting at 13 in the college football playoff rankings. This is, by the way, the first time it's appropriate to talk about the college football playoff rankings after the regular season is complete. Uh, uh, so, like, theoretically, right, Washington, uh, if – uh, TCU, who's directly ahead of them, if they lose to Oklahoma, which is the expected outcome, Washington would move up by virtue of doing nothing. If uh, Stanford loses to USC, which is an expected outcome, then uh, you know that kind of gets them out of the way. The question is, is whether uh, you know? I mean, to me, it still seems like one of these at-large balls is going to jump down and take Notre Dame. You know, like it's not going to be enough just to get to twelve for Washington. I, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, Notre Dame had a rough end of the season. I think that would be, I think that would be a tough sell. I mean, TCU, on the other hand, I think the, I think what, what keeps Washington out of it is the notion that you don't get penalized for playing in your conference championship game, right? Like you're not going to penalize TCU for going and losing to Oklahoma while Washington sat home uh, dormant um, and, and say, well, then Washington deserves the, the, the New Year's Bowl and TCU doesn't. Um, so I think if anything, that's going to be what would, what would keep them out. But, you know, stranger things have happened and I, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, logic or common sense that goes into college football. So if you're a Washington fan, you just hope for chaos or maybe that TCU gets blown out by Oklahoma and looks bad doing it, um, to where, a, a, a one of those, like the cotton bowl would, would want maybe to distance itself from a TCU, but, um, I, you know, it. I think it's a pretty slim chance it happens. Yeah. Well, the three outcomes I'm watching uh, to maximize Washington's slim chances of getting into one of these New Year's Year's Six Bowls are uh, we want Oklahoma to boat race race TCU. We want USC to boat race Stanford, though it doesn't really matter. Any kind of USC win gets it it done for Washington and Stanford. Uh, And then the last thing we want is Fresno for the second week in a row to beat Boise State because remember one of uh, one of ESPN's famous cupcakes, Fresno State, which Washington played in non-conference and beat, uh, they have debuted at number twenty-five in the college football playoff rankings, the ones that ended after the regular season. So all of a sudden, Washington has another top twenty-five win. Uh, if they can beat Boise State again, that only improves Washington's resume. There, I saw some uh, scuttle that Fresno State was only included in the top twenty-five of the college football playoff rankings to bolster. Alabama's case for a playoff and I choose to believe it and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take the uh, uh, collateral shine yeah I mean that's that's the underreported side of that story is that the it's it's bumping Bama but it's helping you dub as well and I'm you know perfectly okay with that all righty so uh, last two thoughts to leave you with on this one. Uh, if you do nothing else, uh, go on Twitter and search for the video of that Wayne Rooney goal. It was uh, from his inside his own half. Gorgeous. Second one, uh, Crespos, uh, if that's the guy's name. Sounds like a Greek chip to me. I was thinking about that during the second half. And other than that, we'll see you next week to wrap up Stanford and USC. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening to Eligible Receivers, everybody. We will see you next week.